Hey, we haven't had them on a Wednesday night. It's, it's good. We can make this a regular occurrence, you know. Looks like we're going to have them Sunday, too, again. So uh, that is a blessing. It's good to have the Robertsons here. Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. And we are looking at the principle of sowing and reaping. And not that this passage was specifically written for that. But as we brought out last week, starting in verse 16 and on through really the end of chapter 11, we see numerous examples of the principle laid out for us in verse 31. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth, much more the wicked and the sinner. Uh, and the outlines that we had out last week uh, is real short, I know, but we're going to get into the part you don't have. All right, that there's nothing written. I'll explain that maybe in a few moments. But we gave you, first of all, the principle last week. Let me just real quickly go over it. We, the principle is the principle of sowing and reaping found in verse 31. And there's a number of things we mentioned about it. It's an eminent truth. Remember, behold, there's this cry that is given. And it's like, you need to pay attention to this. Here's a truth you need to know. So it's an eminent truth. It's an encompassing truth. We learned from the verses we've looked at. It involves, uh, it involves, involves women, verse 16, it involves men. It involves good people, it involves bad people, deceitful people, tightwads and generous people, we learned. I mean, all are included in this principle of uh, sowing and reaping. It's an extensive truth, we mentioned. It's an eternal truth. Uh, no one knows, by the way, it, it always has worked, it always will work, it is the way God has, God has actually woven it into, if you would say, all of nature, so that sowing and reaping is a principle, not just in, in sowing and reaping and as far as planting is concerned, but just in life. The things that you sow, you will reap. Um, and so uh, that's where we left off, and we, we left off at the people, and that's Roman numeral two in your outline, the people. So let's uh, just ask God to help us and give us the wisdom that we need. Father, I need your help right now as we look at this principle of sowing and reaping. I pray that we would be clear, and I pray that we just be challenged and, and understand that the decisions we make, the things we do, have consequences. And may we never excuse wrongdoing. May we be willing to accept responsibility, but then as well, may we make decisions based upon the fact that they have long-term consequences. And we'll thank you for the help you'll give us and the understanding as we look here at this truth in Proverbs 11 tonight. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think I've related the story before, but I, I, it, it seems so fitting to the subject at hand. So if you remember it, just put up with me here for a few minutes, all right? But the preacher told, uh, once spoke about going to a prison work camp. He was asked to speak there. He wasn't being taken to it. And, uh, and there was, it happened to be that there was a prisoner that knew him, and he had the responsibility that day of introducing the speaker, this guy that he knew he had grown up with, and he was in prison. The preacher obviously uh, wasn't in prison. Um, actually, he wouldn't know these days maybe, but that's the, that was the situation. So he stood up and he said this. He said, several years ago, two boys lived in the same community in North Georgia. They attended the same school. They played with the same bunch of guys. They went to the same Sunday school. 
One of them dropped out of Sunday school because he had felt he had outgrown it and that it was sissy stuff. The other boy kept on going because he felt that it really meant something in his life. The boy who dropped out is the one who's making this introduction today. The boy who kept going to Sunday school is the pastor who's going to preach to us this morning. And then he went and sat down. You know, if only the prisoner had thought about the principle of sowing and reaping. If only he had allowed it to guide his decision-making. Because two men made some very, very important choices in their life. And the course of their life was ultimately affected by the decision they made. What they sowed, they reaped. And that is the principle we found here in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 31. And that's the principle we find really in a great number of the verses. Now, I'm going to say it again. Um, this, this is not like Proverbs chapter 11 was written to teach the principle of sowing and reaping. It's not like we're in Galatians chapter 6. But that doesn't mean that we can't come to a passage like this and say, you know, there are a number of Proverbs that give us this and share with us this truth, and we need to understand it if obviously there were a number of verses where God says uh, ultimately by these verses, sowing and reaping is a principle that's true in every area of life. Now, I wasn't exactly sure how to approach the passage because uh, we could follow proper outline form, <clears throat> And we could give you negative examples and then positive examples. But you know what that would make us do? It would kind of make us jump around in the text. And so, so I, yeah, I, I always like that. I like orderly things. I like things to be decent in an order. I like to give you an outline. But that's why your whole thing is blank. Because you're just going to have to write in whatever. I also thought that if we could make it as simple as possible. And so what we're going to do is start in verse 16 where we see the first time where the principle is at least brought out clearly in the life of someone. And then we're going to walk on through. And I think the best way to do it is rather than have points, I, 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 you know, we could have made a point for each one. There's going to be a number of them, but we're not going to do that. So if you'll do it this way, right, sowing on the left and reaping on the right of your paper, okay? Or if you don't like that, put conduct and consequences. Or... Put practice and product, or put exercise and end. I don't care. You can put whatever you want. Come up with your own alliteration if you want. And if you want to go A through Z with alliteration, just don't do it while I'm preaching. Do it when you go home later on this week or something to that effect. But um, just go ahead, and if you put it that way, and then as we look verse by verse, write down the action or, or the uh, conduct, and then write down the consequence that you find in the verses. In fact, quite honestly, you could do it just as effectively as I have, I would think, and maybe even better so. Um, we're not going to find the principle in every verse, starting in verse 16, but there are a number of verses. So let's begin and look at the conduct and consequences, or the sowing and reaping, or the practice and product, or the exercise and end, and I'm not going to say that any more times. So let me share with you first what we find in verse 16. What's the first, uh, the first person? We're, conf we're confronted with a woman. Okay, the gracious woman. Uh, talked about in a number of, of places, or at least in Proverbs 31, our first proverb starts with a woman. So women need to know that the principle of sowing and reaping is true. And as we've already brought out, it's all encompassing. All people are involved in this principle of sowing and reaping. 
Now, so then the, it's a gracious woman that uh, it receives something or a gracious woman that uh, who she sows grace and then she receives what? Okay, receives honor. So this, uh, this proverb reminds us and every woman that they don't get honor in life by doing nothing. Honor comes by living an honorable way. Now, what is needed to reap honor? Gracious living. All right, what is grace? What is gracious living? The word here simply means to be kind. In fact, that seems to be the idea overall. Kindness, a life of kindness. Someone who makes that a practice of life, a life directed and based upon kindness to others, is a life that leads to honor. I find it interesting because when Solomon writes in Proverbs 31 about the virtuous woman, he brings out that fact. Take a moment and, and just turn there. And again, we won't do this. Otherwise, we could take forever on each one of the verses. But we find that favor is deceitful. Beauty is vain at the end of the chapter. A woman that feareth the Lord, she's going to be praised, right? Give her of the fruit of her hands. So in a sense, she's going to be honored. In fact, if you look at verse 28, her children arise up and what do they call her? Blessed. All right, so they bless her. They honor her. Uh, look at verse 25. Strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come, right? Okay, so we see that the, the virtuous woman is one who is going to receive honor. It's interesting, though, if you look at the next verse, verse 26, we see, we see kindness, do we not? What do we find about her? In her mouth is the law of kindness. All right, so here's the truth. You make kindness part of your life, ladies, and by the way, men, too, and there's something you'll be able to expect. In fact, there's something that will come as a result of that, and it would be honor. You know, it, it's, it's rather true. You look at someone who is kind, someone who has shown kindness, and a lot of times they are highly respected by people. Uh, and so God tells us that truth. Verse 16, so the gracious retain honor. Now you say, well, well wait a second, Pastor. There's something else here in this verse. I know it, 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 it is there. A gracious woman retaineth honor, and strong men retain riches. Now you might think it's a separate idea, but actually most believe that when we come to this verse, he's really focusing on a gracious woman receiving honor. And it seems to be rather than a contrast or two different people, it seems to be more as a like as type thing. So strong men have the ability to retain their riches. Okay? At least that's how we would expect it, right? I mean, if you were going to try to get someone's riches... You're not going to pick on someone that's twice your size. We're not, you're not going to pick on someone that has muscles that are like mine. You know, you're just not going to do it. Because, hey, you know better than that. Because a strong man is able to retain his riches. And he said, in much the same way, a gracious woman is able to retain honor. And it is interesting, I found as I go through these verses, that God paints it in a number of different ways and he uses a number of different words and here he chooses the word retain uh, which which is an interesting uh, it, it's an interesting idea and an interesting concept because they're able to, to if you would not only get it but keep it that seems to be the idea 
So when someone continues with a gracious life, they are not only going to be honored, but they will maintain it, if you would, and be able to keep it like a strong man is able to keep his riches in his grasp. And then we find in verse 17 another thing. We find uh, now we turn to men. All right, guys, what kind of man? What is, what is he sowing? Mercy, all right? The merciful man does good to his own soul. So what would be the result or what would be the reaping? Good to his soul. Good to his, to his if you would, his inner being to, his, to himself. So if men felt left out after the last proverb, uh, they, they have now their opportunity. And you know what's interesting? It's a different word in the language but it also means kindness. So a man that shows kindness is doing good to himself. We could probably argue the same thing for a woman. She's doing good to herself because she's bringing honor her way. So a man, when he does that which is right, when he shows kindness, benefits his soul. Uh, someone wrote, according to William Shakespeare in The Merchant of Venice, mercy drops down like, here, is, here are the words, gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. And he said Shakespeare was right about the double blessing. Merciful deeds, kind deeds, bless the person to whom we stretch out the hand of loving kindness. Merciful deeds also bless the one who gives them. Also blesses the one who's involved in doing it. In fact, God said this. Jesus Christ said, blessed are the merciful for what? They shall obtain mercy. That double blessing. So when it's given, it's also something that comes back on you according to Matthew 5, 7. And according to our text, a merciful man does good to his own soul, but the cruel is troubled by his own flesh. You know, the cruel afflicts, afflicts his flesh. Boy, I knew I was going to have trouble trying to say that 10 times real fast. Afflict your flesh. That's not easy to get out, all right? But that's what the cruel man is doing. So rather than being nice, when you're terrible, you punish your own flesh. Good people don't support and they don't wish to be with or around those who are terrible people. You know, some people expect honor even though they're not honorable. Some people expect to be treated with kindness, but they're not willing to be kind themselves. And quite honestly, you shouldn't expect that because what you sow, you reap. So if you're mean, if you're a miserable person, if you're an unkind person, don't expect, if you do evil things to people, don't expect people to, to treat you with respect. See, sowing and reaping is a principle that's true. Look at verse 18. And what do we find here? Well, now we're introduced to, this is the bad side of the ledger, I guess we would say, the wicked. The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. Now, I put these two things together. The wicked works, and he receives bad. The righteous sows and finds reward. So the wicked man works. The righteous man sows. That is an interesting picture. Again, we have these, these words that Solomon is using, not just by chance. It seems like he's really thought these things through. And he says, look, 
there's a different way in which the wicked go about their business. There's a different way in which the righteous go about their business. They may be, in a sense, doing the same thing, but they do it either from, for different reasons or from a different perspective. The righteous man, because he's righteous, sows good. He disseminates good, and the truth is he doesn't care if he gets anything back or not because that's not his focus. His focus isn't, I'm doing this because I'm going to get good. He does it because it's just right to do good. It's right to live right. It's right to do the things that are right. And here's what he finds, that as he disseminates and as he sows the things that are right, there's a reward that comes for that. Because what a man, yeah, if you won't get tired of this, you would. what a man sows, he also reaps. So the righteous sower finds reward, but the wicked man, he works. And you know what he's working for? He's got a goal too. The righteous man just sows because it's right. But the wicked man works because he's trying to get something good. And here's the truth, God says. The wicked works a deceitful work. Now, it's interesting the way they interpret this. There's a couple of different ideas. One writer explained it, a work which will deceive, um, or his expectation is here, that he's going to win and he'll get what he desires and what he wants from his labor, but he's going to find out he's deceived in that. Ultimately, here's how one writer explained it. A work which will deceive his expectation of the good for which he works. So the wicked man works, but he's working because he's trying to get something. Righteous man, he just disseminates and sows because it's right. Totally different reason for doing it. And what's interesting is that the righteous man, when he's doing it this way, doing the things that are right, he reaps a reward. The wicked man wants good, and he's doing it so he can get good, and he doesn't get it. It's a deceitful thing. Um, Because what a man sows, he reaps. So the wicked works and receives bad. The righteous sower finds reward. Verse 19, let's let's, uh, go on. The righteous pursue life, the wicked pursue death. The course of life you take, your pursuit, what you run after, what you chase after brings a return. Look at you, it as righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. God doesn't promise the righteous man's going to live to old age and the wicked man's going to live to only a few years, and that is proven over and over by what we observe in life. There are some really wicked people that live to be old. There's some godly people that die very young. These Proverbs weren't meant to be absolutes. They're teaching general principles in life. But the fact is, And here's what he says. He's very frank about it. Look, doing the right kind of things and being righteous tends, lends itself to, leads to, if you would, I I would say, we would certainly say a full life, a meaningful life, a fruitful life, if you would. But we would ultimately say a fullness of life so that he fulfills, you know, and he finds that his life is very fulfilling, whereas the wicked man doesn't have that kind of fulfilling. He pursues evil, and he pursues it to his own death, to his own ruin, so that those who pursue the things that are evil, uh, there's a good chance that their life won't be lived to the full. They certainly won't enjoy it to the full, but ultimately it could end their life 
Short. Shorter, shorter than it would have been. And how, how many people have lost years of their life because they've chosen a wicked path? Some guy chooses to drink and it destroys his body and he ends up, uh, you would say, dying before his time. You ever seen someone who, whose life is controlled by drink and, you know, they, they tell you they're, they're, you know, 50 years old and you look at them and they look like they're 70 or 80? Um, because there's this principle of sowing and reaping that's woven into the fabric of life. Look, if you would, at verse 20. They that are of a froward heart are abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are his delight. Um, you, you like this one. The perverse have God's disgust. The upright have God's delight. The perverse have God's disgust. The upright have God's delight. Do you know there's sowing and reaping in relation, in, related to your relationship with God? How you live, what you sow, determines whether you delight or disgust God. That's, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? Um, one writer said this. I thought it was good. God is not without emotion. What we do or fail to do affects him. Our actions either bring him pleasure or grieve him deeply. The concept is found in the Bible. We just made reference to it. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. The Bible tells us God is angry with the wicked every day. God is not devoid of emotion. And by the way, he doesn't expect us to be either. He is affected by and uh, impacted by the way we live. And so God, if you look at this verse, uh, the, the, those that are forward of heart are abomination to the Lord. It disgusts him. It makes him sick. And those that are upright in their way, you know what? They delight the Lord. He's pleased with that. Like the father could say of the son, this is my beloved son. And, and you look at others in scripture that God was pleased with. Um, so the perverse have God's disgust, the upright have God's delight. Um, verse 21, the wicked, here we go. You know, some of these things almost seem very close in relation to one another because that's the way Proverbs are. Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Do you see sowing and reaping there? Absolutely. The wicked punished, the righteous delivered. Now, here we go again. There's varied ideas about the first statement. Do you see this? Though hand join in hand. What is he talking about there? Kind of interesting. Um, some people explain it. One view is this, from hand to hand. From the hand of God into their hand shall come the reward of their work and shall not go unpunished. That's what one wrote. Some believe it's referring to succeeding generations. From hand to hand, the family of wicked people will all receive punishment because there's this idea that when you sow this way, your family's going to learn it and they're going to also sow that way and they're going to reap judgment. Now you say, well, why would they give that interpretation uh, from the hand join in hand? Because we read in verse 21, the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. 
So his point was that, that family affects family and the way someone lives affects the way people live. So when a righteous man does that which is right, his seed is going to be blessed. And they're going to learn from his ways, right? Because when you pattern something, you would expect someone in general to live that way and to go that direction. So this sowing and reaping, I, oh, wow, we could say affects your family. That, that's another message for a different, different message. Um, but here in this passage, it just brings out the fact that, look, God will judge ultimately. Um, and while those statements could be true, many see the verse this way. The wicked often have support from others like him when he does his evil deeds. So though hand join in hand, though people join in hand together, we're going to do this together. And he may think, I've got the support of all these people. I'm going to succeed in my way. God says he's going he's to get punished. Uh, and he can expect it because what a man sows, he reaps. So though he may have support and maybe be praised and may he, may, he may even feel justified because look at all the people behind me. By the way, isn't that how a lot of times politicians kind of present things? All these people are behind this. Well, you know, if everyone's behind it, it doesn't mean it's right. Everyone was behind crucifying Jesus Christ, but didn't make it right. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if a majority are for abortion. Abortion is murder. It doesn't matter if a majority would be in agreement that homosexuality is okay. Homosexuality is wicked before God. It really doesn't matter how many people are in agreement with something or not. So if hand joins in hand, it doesn't matter. But for the wicked man who does that which is wrong, to have that support and have people patting you on the back and saying, you're doing right or we're behind you or let's go together and let's do this, however you want to view this verse, the truth is it doesn't matter. God will still judge. And it will come in his time. Um, oh, this is great. Look at verse 24. I know, we skipped a few. Um, I'm not ready for the jewel of gold and a swine snout. We're going to get there. I can't skip that verse, can we? Can't skip that verse. We're going to get there. There's a principle being taught. But I don't know if it's so much, at least I couldn't think of sowing and reaping with that one. All right, maybe someone's going to come up and share with me sowing and reaping after in those verses. But verse 24 says, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. Well, what is being brought out? I, I put it this way. The giver often sees increase. The hoarder often sees decrease. We start in this verse with a number of Proverbs dealing with money. And we will also hit on that subject soon because it's kind of in line here. We're going to come back and visit some of these verses. Um, now, um, this, pro this proverb, I, I, here's what I wrote in my notes. I was trying to, I had to think this run through. This is a proverb that makes no sense from a financial perspective. Because you would expect when someone gives that they have less. And someone that keeps has more. But that's not what God says. And do you know this principle is taught about giving throughout the Bible? You, you go give and it shall be given unto you. I mean, we can go through. 
You can, go, you can go to Malachi, you can go to Corinthians. You, you can go throughout the Bible and you will see this principle brought out by God that, that those who are givers often see increase. In fact, I think the best way to explain it is tithing. You know, I've observed many times, and in my own life, I found this, that, that if I am cheap, God's cheap with me. If I'm gracious, God is gracious with me. That is the principle that is brought out in, a, in kind of a different way here. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. The guy who gives, the guy who, who spreads, the guy who does what he can, he increases. And there is that withholdeth more than his meat. I'm going to keep it for me because I don't know if I'm going to have enough tomorrow. And God says it tends to poverty. So this principle of sowing and reaping is true in, in giving. And just an overall involvement in life. Uh, give of yourself. Hold back. Yeah, here's the truth. You hold back from serving at church, you lose out. And by the way, everyone at church loses out too. But you scatter, you get involved, you serve, you give of yourself. And here's the thing you find. You find there's reward in that. This, this is true, not just in the financial means of life, but just in every area of life. There is this scatters. The guy that serves and gives of himself and just, and the lady that does that, and, and there's just increase to the life, increase, blessing, increase in so many different ways that can't be measured. And, and man, I, again, we, in relating it to the financial things, there, there's, I, sometimes I just, it, I marvel at how, how God gives back to those who give. Because this principle of sowing and reaping is true in life. And we have gone long. There's just so much here. And there's so much to, to food to get. So we're going to continue on and we're going to look at some more principles. And I hope you've had your, you have your two lists starting to develop now. you got, what, five, or five things or something like that, four or five? And we'll continue on the next time we have opportunity on, on a Wednesday night. So you've got to come back. Hear that, Brother Robertson? You've got to come back. You've got to be part of things until we finish Proverbs. You need to be here, too. So let's pray. Father, help us. Help us to just remember that what a man sows, he reaps. We, we harp on it. We talk about it. We preach on it. We bring out the truth. But as we have seen over and over in these verses, in, in, in such a variety of areas of life and in, in so many different ways, this principle is just evidenced in all everyone around us. So help us never forget it, to forget it, and help us to live in light of it this week. And may we find the blessing that comes when we learn to be the kind of person you want us to be and find that in sowing right, we reap reward. And may we do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you as you sow the right things. You are dismissed.